Hi, my name is Ida. And my name is Deja. And welcome to Sad Girl Sunday. <laughs> welcome to episode 10, Sad Girl Sunday fam. How's everyone doing? Welcome to another Sunday with the Sad Girls. Thank you for tuning in with us on this episode. Before we get into the topic of the week, we're going to take a minute to check in with ourselves. So Deja, how are you doing? I am good. This week was actually really, really well, like really, really well, really, really nice. Um, So this week, I actually, I got to hang out with my sister. We went to Target for a while. So like, I'm one of those people that loves just like walking around Target aimlessly, not with any intent to buy anything, but just like seeing what new products are around, you know what I'm saying? So (laughs) that's like my fun pastime. Um, So I was able to do that with her. And then we just hung out, ordered pizza, had like a real chill, like sister movie night so it's dope um and then what else did i do this week that sounds wait what movie did you guys watch we saw moxie on netflix what movie is that it's like with amy poehler and um you know that's a great question i don't know any (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna look it up well i haven't seen that i think amy poehler is funny in general yeah like and and, i mean honestly i wasn't expecting anything of it it was on netflix we're like whatever we'll just watch this and then it ended up being really really nice and it was really good and i thoroughly enjoyed that so i was like okay i'll see you um and then what else did i do oh i got another compliment from my therapist so you so you know i always makes my day or whatever um honestly like I don't think people understand how nice of a feeling it is when your therapist is like, wow. So it's like, it seems like you had a great week or like you've made some real progress. And you're like, I guess I have made some real progress. Like, okay. It means um, different when it comes from your therapist. Yeah. Like your friends can be like, wow, Deja, like oh, you've changed so much. It's great. You know? And you're like, whatever. And, and they're like, you don't fucking like, know what I've been through. Wow, Deja, you've changed so much. That's great. And you're like, oh my God, stop. Really? So yeah, this week was really good. I'm very happy. And I'm I'm super stoked to talk about this topic because Shira and I have talked about this before. And I'm just excited that we get to make it an actual conversation for Sad Girl Sunday. So I'm just jazzed. But how was your week, Ida? How are you? I'm doing good, dude. Um, what did I do this week? Oh, I had my paper. So I was a zombie for this week because I had two assignments for my final exams due. And I finished those assignments. So I'm finally free of Yay. fucking anything, at least for like a week or two. And then I'm, I'm taking summer session. But I'm going to enjoy these enjoy this. 10 yeah. days and just like be happy that I don't have like homework and other crap that I need to like get done <laughs> thanks <laughs> but um yeah and so yesterday I also got to see Tyler for her birthday celebration yeah and um Happy birthday. her mom follows us now on our podcast <laughs> <laughs> she was like I didn't know you had a talk show let me follow and I was like oh, oh yeah. my god so Jenny if you're listening to this episode next week thanks for subscribing um <laughs> But yeah, it was it was a nice little week. 
Good. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy. I love that. I love when like we both have great. I mean, I know there have definitely been some weeks where like, yeah, my family's getting on my nerves, you know, and I'll be like, yeah, my mom and my sister have taken over my entire apartment. But, but for the most part, like I love when we are able to have a good week. So that is awesome. Um, so yeah, last week we discussed child-free families. And in today's episode, we are talking all about loneliness and I don't know why I'm so excited for this bum, 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 bum. <laughs> like, the energy you gave me right now I know I need to have some this point like loneliness oh <laughs> that Jamaican <laughs> that Jamaican horn but no honestly thank you guys so much for your amazing honest and genuine responses to the questions that we posed on Instagram and we hope that we can address some of what you all wrote in today's episode so I'm very excited to get started Yeah, so what is loneliness? So, you know, the internet is the most legitimate source of the universe, and it tells us that it is an unpleasant emotional response to perceived isolation. There are, like, a few more definitions that follow. It can be described as a social pain, like it's a psychological mechanism that motivates people to seek social connection. It can also be defined as an unwanted lack of connection and intimacy. And uh, Deja added, it's completely <laughs> normal. So it's really something that we only become worried or stressed about when it's excessive or all-consuming. Um, and if it's not interfering with your daily life, well, welcome to life because that's what everyone experiences from time to time. Absolutely. Um, But we wanted to talk about loneliness because during COVID, we all were kind of forced into social distancing, severing certain connections with individuals, and it truly completely interfered with our daily living. So we were all, by the definition, almost put into states or like forced loneliness, you know, and so there was an article that came out in the Harvard Gazette that was actually titled Young Adults Hit Hardest by Loneliness During Pandemic. And so in the article, it was stating that June data that had come out from the CDC showed that 63% of young people reported experiencing substantial symptoms of anxiety and depression. And so older teens and young adults may be particularly susceptible because they are often transitioning from their inherited families to their chosen families, said um, Richard Weisbord, who's a psychologist. And so he was saying that they lack the important connections to those who are or those who can be critical, quote unquote, guardrails against loneliness. The people that you typically lean on, like your close friend friend group or your family. Not a lot of students might have that because they're making that transition to college where they are new or because they're making that transition into adulthood where they're experiencing new things for the first time. So young people are really making critical decisions about their professional and personal lives and relationships, which can add to the stress and sense of isolation. Yep. And in addition to that, our perceived images of ourselves, like the stories we tell ourselves about why we're lonely, play Mm -hmm. into a huge role in the impact that it has on our day to day. And so how do these stories lead to our attachment styles? Well, relationship attachment styles play a huge role with the way that we engage with our peers and the people around us. And for those who don't know, attachment styles are essentially just predictable patterns of behavior that basically are 
formed in our adolescence and childhood and it kind of like molds us into like the way we engage with people in our adulthood um so there are four relationship attachment types that are most common the first is anxious preoccupied and this uh anxious preoccupied type struggles to communicate their needs directly so there are wants and desires to be completely emotionally intimate, but they find that they, that others are not willing to get as close to them as they would like. And they have a deep seated fear of separation. The second attachment style is dismissive avoidant. And this type downplays the importance of relationships and they are extremely self-reliant, but they also are comfortable without close intimate relationships. But mind you that this is also a motive or a, not a motive, but it's a mode of existing to protect yourself from rejection. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, the act of dismissive is like a, a, a defensive way of avoiding intimacy. So that way they don't have to experience pain or rejection if they get hurt by that potential partner or a friend or peer. The third type is fearful avoidant, and this type strongly fears rejection. They tend to have high anxiety in their relationships, and they find it difficult to trust others completely or depend on them completely. And so sometimes I think um, it's common for people to mix dismissive avoidant with fearful avoidant because they can both seem uh, self-reliant, mm -hmm. uh, but um, it's more that the fearful avoidant doesn't want to depend on someone else. So they might not get certain things done for themselves, but they also won't ask others for help. <laughs> yeah, and the fourth type of attachment is secure attachment. And these people tend to trust more easily, can communicate their issues directly. They tend to lead with cooperation and flexible behaviors within their relationships and with their peers. And they tend to have minimal or little fear when engaging with others and they're comfortable with their autonomy and their intimacy. So we wanted to take the idea of kind of loneliness and everything that we had seen on that research front. And then we also wanted to see how it merged into our relationship structures. And so we were able to find this article titled Attachment Styles Based on Loneliness and Depression. And it is uh, authored by at Tilgan Roskin, and it was published in 2011. So while it was a few years ago, a lot of the data that they had, I believe still stands. So the sample essentially consisted of 652 university students. I believe about 300 or so were female and 330 were males. And they took data using the relationship skills questionnaire, the UCLA loneliness scale and the Beck depression inventory. And they actually found that there's significant negative relationship between loneliness and secure attachment styles, which I feel like is not really shocking. <laughs> and a significant positive relationship between loneliness and fearful dismissive preoccupied relationships, attachment styles. So these findings showed that people who have secure attachment styles are often less lonely than other people. And individuals who have secure attachment styles can easily express their emotions and give verbal and nonverbal cues, which all enable them to easily establish and maintain interpersonal relationships escaping from loneliness. 
Yeah, and even before, in 1973, there was a researcher by the name of Wise who stated that individuals who are unable to attach to other individuals will feel themselves lonely. So according to these results, it can be said that the attachment styles are important are an important factor that affects interpersonal relationships and determines loneliness and depression levels within, of individuals. But um, there's a decrease in the ratio of secure attachment styles in favor of insecure ones in time because of the risk for future generations. And it constitutes a more important point, like a preventative mental health planning for children and adolescents. And so in developing programs for promoting the intact family structure and close relationships between individuals, um, they discovered that it may, there, there, it may be like one way of preventing the shift of attachment styles. Exactly. So in an effort to kind of expand on this topic, we wanted to bring in um, one of our really great friends, Shira, because her and I actually had a conversation on, uh, about just loneliness, relationship structures, especially in the time of COVID. And I wanted to be able to expand a little bit more on that topic. And so we wanted to bring her on just to see what her point of view is, you know, as someone who was a more recent graduate than us, who is kind of having all of those things that the article talked about in terms of like starting out into adulthood and building all of this stuff. And then right before, right as soon as you're getting into this stage of your life, COVID takes place. So where do we move from here? So the first question that I wanted to ask Shira was in our Instagram poll, we asked, you know, the Wait. question. Oh, sorry. I should go and let you introduce yourself. Yeah. Just cut all that out. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to bring on Shira, one of our really great friends, in order to just expand on this topic a little bit more, see what her personal background is in talking about loneliness and relationship structures and just, you know, dig in. So I will let you introduce yourself, Shira. Hello. Uh, hey, y'all. My name is Shira. Um, personal background. Well, let's see. I'm 24, newly mid-20s, hello, um, from the District of Columbia, where you can't come without a permit. I uh, graduated 2018 from the same alma mater as Deja and Ida. Um, I'm currently a, an educator. Mm -mm -mm. I was just going to say teacher, but educator sounds more professional. <laughs> and um, let's see, in terms of like, I was talking to where did this come from? Yeah, I was talking to Deja about like attachment styles a couple months ago and just like how it affects like my life in terms of friendships, romantic relationships, all that. Um, and I think it's something that like, I don't know, people talk about going to therapy a lot. And I think that's one of those things that like you should definitely try to explore and delve into. Uh, because you don't want to, while I don't think they're static at all, I think they can change. Um, and because of that, you want to, you know, use resources that can help you. I don't want to say necessarily improve them, but help you attach in ways that are like healthier for you, but also so that you don't cause harm to somebody else that may have them start attaching to people in ways that are more isolating. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I think that that's like really important. And I'm glad that we're able to expand a little bit more on the conversation we had earlier. Um, but the first question that I didn't, I wanted to ask you. So in our Instagram poll, we asked, you know, are you lonely? And about 50% said yes. And 50% said no. So the first question I wanted to ask was, are you lonely? And like, what does quote unquote loneliness even mean to you? 
child, that is a great question. <laughs> uh, am I lonely? I would say no, just because I feel like I have really good friends who are like just super loyal and just quality um, people and I trust them. I think I'm in also, but I, I would say that like I have been self-isolating more because of COVID um, and just reflecting on whether I am where I want to be in my life, like professionally, platonically, romantically, like all these things. And I'm also a person who tends to sit very up in my head, I'm more cerebral as a person. I've been getting into horoscopes, but it's the Aquarius in me, but um. I think because of that, like I haven't been reaching out as much. And I think sometimes that can be like isolating, but I think overall, no, because I feel like loneliness is really like, not only, yeah, I think loneliness is more like something you don't have control over. Like situations are imposed onto you that kind of isolate you from other human beings, whether it be physically or just socially. Mm -hmm. So it's just like for a lot of people, they are lonely during the pandemic because, and that's not something they have control over. Like they, don't want to be lonely they want to connect with other people but they're lonely because you know maybe work has them working at all hours so they can't connect people connect with people their age you know what I'm saying they're tired you know what I'm saying they're not mentally well so it's just like they can't reach out to people or whatever I feel like loneliness is like the state of being alone but not voluntarily and feeling dissatisfied about Mm -hmm. your current state of connection so like I feel like even though I've been more self-isolated, I don't feel lonely just because I'm just going through some things that I need to think through. And I know that I have people that I can reach out to at any time to chop mm-hmm. it up. And I think that's a big thing that they say, like it, it is really dependent on your support system and the individuals that you have around you. So when that is solid and like stable, then it helps try to combat loneliness but I think I also want to pose the same question to you Ida because I know that your living situations have currently changed from living with friends to now living with family so like would you consider yourself maybe not even now but during COVID would you say that you were lonely um for me I guess I would say I think it's a feeling that comes and goes like there are times especially living at home where I you know, tar- like I love my family, but there's there's still like a barrier of like what I can really like share and like give in, in that dynamic. And so it is like a lot more time with myself. But I will say, I think the, I think the loneliest time I ever like, like remember the period of time that I can think of is when I was uh, living overseas and I was like all like it was like I made like a lot of friends but it's like every day I'm meeting someone I'm like introducing my name where I'm from again I'm telling them like where I went to school again and it's like a cycle of repeating very surface level like markers of my identity and it's not enough time to really build or like dive into like very deep-seated relationship with anyone because it's a transient like where I was living was like a very transient city and like people were always in and out and on top of that um nobody knows who you were when you were a teenager or a, a young person like there's a limited there's limited access that they have to your identity so nobody really knows you and so I think um 
at least for me, it was like, I understood the value of family way more when I left home and like was away from family. But um, I, I remember feeling very, very isolated in that time. And it was like my conditions at that time really limited me to not be able to solve the problem because I wasn't around people who knew me. I was always around new people and strangers. So like, I, I really resonate with um, what Shira was saying just because I think it makes a huge difference to, to have really good friends and people that you can trust and give yourself to um, to help alleviate those, those feelings from time to time. But it doesn't necessarily, what I'll say now, like today, now that I'm back in the States and I feel like, ooh, like I'm excited to be with my friends, to be on Zoom with Deja every week, to see like my family and my cousins that I haven't seen in a long time. There's still something that will always be there that you can never fill with other people's company. And I think... Um, like going into like uh, what we're going to talk about later, like kind of the narrative that I tell myself in my head is like, oh, well, I'm lonely for like this reason or I'm lonely for that reason. When in reality, it's like, girl, it could be a chemical imbalance in your brain that's causing you to feel this way. <laughs> or it could just be the fact that, um, like you said, there's a lot of changes that, hello, we had the pandemic, like I started grad school, I moved back to LA, I like did all this little stuff that it's like, I'm barely getting my emotional processing now for all the movement actions that I've taken throughout the year. And I think like that can feel like a lot alone. And it's hard to kind of, you know, share with people who like haven't really experienced the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, but it gives me comfort, not that I want other people to be lonely, but knowing that it's a common experience. Yeah. It's not like I'm a, you know, a cuckoo person who's just like in my room feeling some type of way because it's like, oh, it's just part of the human experience. Like we all, we all get into our feelings from time to time. So. Yeah. And I think sometimes like, well, loneliness is an epidemic and we've seen that like, mm-hmm. the, like research as of late especially with this late stage capitalism that we're in (laughs) but I think that there's sometimes there's certain things that we do where we like pathologize like very natural parts of human existence so like Mm -hmm. there's definitely loneliness that's like you know not an issue and it just like comes with you know lots of change in life it comes with adversity (laughs) yeah just like regular regular stuff like Ida was talking about and then there's the loneliness that is really like because of trauma or the loneliness because like on a structural level there are a lot of institutions that are failing you and you as a human being have to try to like navigate those like as this single entity when it's like that's not how we were meant to be you know what I'm saying we are social creatures and you know with the rise of like well I don't think it's the rise of but you know meritocracy and like get it out the mud culture I think which we fetishize have definitely led it to be that like people are more lonely because they think it's natural to have to do everything for yourself it's just like not it's okay to rely on other people like there's a lot of discourse lately about the nuclear family and I'm like and you people will fetishize it to put on a pedestal but that's part of why niggas is lonely oh hold on I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) you don't need to apologize yeah you don't need to police yourself on this we, we already said, we tag it as explicit when we post. <laughs> okay because i don't know like 
No, you're really fine. What money is? <laughs> no, we ain't got no money. Okay. So, like, like you know, damn. when we start making brand deals and we have to police ourselves. Yeah, right. I just don't know. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm sorry, but you know, uh, we are social creatures. Like we should be with each other but like we're doing this thing where we're like you know i got it on my own and i'm saying people be like self-made it's like i'm not self-made i'm community made i'm village made like hella people Mm. make sacrifices for me to get where i need to be so like all of that is to say like there are certain loneliness certain things that are you know cause loneliness that actually need to be studied and then other things that are just like this is the ebb and flow of life Mm -hmm. and like sure sometimes in this culture like we constantly chase you know, like happiness or this idea of like being fulfilled in yourself, like alone to the point where it's just like, it's okay to want company and other people around you. Like, and I'm saying this even as an introverted person, it's like, sometimes I'm going to be a want want to be around other people. And it's like, I believe in self-love, but I think sometimes being so focused on the individual has us feeling like there are certain things that we shouldn't ask for, which contributes to the loneliness, like individual, Mm -hmm. rugged individualism in this culture will be the death of us. Yeah. In this essay, (laughs) I will. (laughs) Look, I 100% like feel that we um, more and more every day and like the young people who come after us, even though they're on their woke shit and they're out here calling out motherfuckers, they're going to be caught up in the system that, (laughs) you know, that, it's called capitalism and um in adulthood it's really hard for me to imagine us not because what's happening right now and I like really like how you are materializing it and like looking at um this epidemic as stemming from the conditions of work that we are having to live through Mm -hmm. like we have we live in a society that really forces us to go through shit by yourself, to figure out housing by yourself, to figure out food by yourself, to figure out like whatever we need to survive most of the time on our own and discourages like um, family structures kind of being like supportive of one another. Because like today, I mean, like I think in the pandemic, more people actually moved back with their families, but before this pandemic, it was more likely that you would live with a bunch of strangers than you would with your own family. And whether or not that's good or bad, for whatever reason, it's not like easy to just put it in those two categories. The reality is like, oh, well, you're literally just paying for this individual room because of your individual income that you're getting for whatever individual gym membership that you have to get yourself into shape. Like, it's like all of these things are really like being pulled out and, and, you know, taken from you. And it's like, oh, well, um, what did our ancestors do? Like, I feel like people were walking together, celebrating and doing things together, cooking and eating meals together. Like, like in it is in our DNA to do that kind of shit, but our working conditions don't really allow us to have those interactions that we need to feel sane on day to day. And so um, I think it's really good to point out that not that it's something you cannot rectify or alleviate if you're aware of it, but we do live in times where we're being exploited, like to the point of like the like losing those important human interactions yeah. and those connections. 
because <clears throat> of the lifestyle and the working lifestyle that we're living. And even if you did try, let's say I was like, okay, fuck it, I'm not gonna pursue whatever career that's taking up all this fucking time. I'm gonna like get like some like barista ass motherfucking job or some shit that's like part time that gives me more of my time. It's like you will hardly survive off of that income, yeah. you know. And it's if you can make that choice, you're in a very privileged position because you you got something going on that can support you financially where you don't have to give up hours of your day-to-day for work i think what's even worse is like we make it virtuous like we like the united states and i'm sure somebody has written a paper about this or whatever but like in high school i read um the scarlet letter or whatever Mm -hmm. that's when i learned a lot about puritan culture or whatever especially in like the early um what is it 1600s of the american colonies or whatever Mm -hmm. and so one thing I learned is like we are really still a deeply Puritan nation because there are so many things that are actually like self-harm. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny, but there are so many things that are actually self-harm that we like make virtuous, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Or like self glamorize it. Yeah, that like we're self-deprecation. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, like rise and grind. And I'm like, but I feel like rise that and shouldn't grind, be... like <laughs> work ethic to the point of like, you know what I mean? There was like, this girl on Instagram, um, who was a part of that problematic ass leftist Instagram page. And she constantly posts like pictures of her working out early in the morning. And she'll be like, a capitalist woke up today and worked out. Are you, what are you doing for the revolution? And I'm like, bitch, this whole post is problematic as fuck because you are glorifying like hard work ethic and ignoring the fact that people got shit to do or things that they're going through that like they're not yeah. willing to commit to fucking also, working girl, out or running. It's not and getting on like, the treadmill. And she was running at Universal Studios like in like 5 a.m. I'm like, so you got a car to drive you to Universal Studios so you could do a workout outside of that amusement park. You like live in California. You're single. I bet you your ass own some property because you sound like you come from from wealthy ass shit. Like you you're you're speaking from a very privileged position and you're glorifying like like work that's like maybe not applicable to people who ha- like who you know might have ability issues who yeah. might there's so many layers yeah. and to it. is the gym accessible like on an emotional level on right a, a cultural level but also just in a physical like how is the building built but also people be saying stuff like that and they be on the treadmill or they be on like static machines girl you talking <laughs> about working out for the revolution go learn how to kickbox go learn how to do self-defense <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Talk about working out for the revolution. You can't lift over 20 pounds, please. And it's not, that's not, you know, me saying that in a way that's inaccessible or ableist. That's me saying the working out that you're talking about is for aesthetic and for looking lean. You're not talking about the stuff that allows you to like lift and, and like farm. fight motherfuckers. Right. I was like, girl, I don't even do all of that. Cause if you want to get into paramilitary training, we could talk about that, but that's not what you're doing. So I don't even do that. But anyways, let me not because we're gonna get but that's what i'm saying like they are people really are mixing because we and it's like i understand like we we are swimming in it we're swimming Mm -hmm. in this very harsh capitalistic society and there are parts of ourselves and our identities that fall in and out and it's like oh you got me i'm over here feeding into these little ideologies and ideas that 
don't really help me in my existence but it's also like uh i've been living and swimming in this shit for like my entire life so you can't really blame me all the time but don't go out here and start yeah right and i'm like don't (laughs) lecture other motherfuckers like Mm -hmm. you need to figure your shit out first before you're out here trying to like rectify other people's behavior or shame them on the time like i'm on instagram i'm not trying to see that Leave me alone. You know, I can't even hold her because maybe again that was very puritan of her and like we really do fetishize like I think you know because the idea that like you suffer on earth so you can like go to heaven <laughs> which is not something to I subscribe to anymore I'm not a diehard Christian like I used to be but like I think that is part of it you know what I'm saying this idea that like you know heaven it's not heaven on earth you have heaven somewhere in the metaphysical or whatever mm-hmm. so it's just like people thinking you really have to toil and suffer and struggle and a lot of that comes when you have to do things by yourself that are actually really impossible to do as one person by yourself like people are talking like okay so we're talking about like narratives that we tell ourselves like things that ways that we're not enough and I think sometimes ability status plays into this like I'm somebody who's realizing I probably have ADHD like and probably didn't get diagnosed because I'm black and was like did well in school but like just thinking about my tendencies my uh, organizational patterns my sleep patterns like whatever I probably had ADHD right so there are things I used to tell myself like oh why can't I just do this like other adults Mm -hmm. seem so well adjusted like why can't I you know what I'm saying work out and then do all my laundry and cook this this that and a third and it's just like like Ida was saying so much of our waking hours is dedicated to the job that keeps us alive and puts food on the table and keeps us from being homeless and it's like when you have to do all this stuff by yourself uh, some of that is just not possible in a a 24 hour or it's supposed to be 16 hour period you're supposed to sleep eight hours whatever some of that is just not possible there should be somebody else that you live with who's able to help you with the domestic labor who's able to help you with bills who's able to do this stuff you know what i'm saying i'm not even talking about in a romantic partnership just like if you live more in a village there mm-hmm. are things that you could delegate and not in a specialized labor type of way but just like we're a community and we want everybody to be healthier and these are the community tasks but it's just like you know i start thinking that i'm not enough or that you know maybe i have certain disabilities or whatever that maybe I don't have maybe it's just that capitalism is making me do stuff by myself that I actually shouldn't have to do by myself now does this negate the fact that I think I have ADHD no (laughs) but it does start to talk about like those narratives that we tell ourselves like I'm not enough you know what I'm saying so I feel self-conscious about reaching out to people or I feel underdeveloped or I feel this this that and a third because actually it's not normal to have to do some of this stuff by yourself you're not poorly adjusted you're not less than you're not dumb you know what I'm saying maybe you are neurodivergent but that it that is not um a fault or a deficit deficit either way you know what I'm saying so then it makes it hard to like form relationships because you're like something's wrong with me and it's like girl no no something's wrong with the society that you're in you know but I think also due to COVID there was a lot of talk at the beginning I mean aside from the fear that it obviously um, instilled in people I think there was a lot of talk of like how are you going to use this time you're going you need to like write this book do this paper do that and I was like I I physically was like, we have to understand that your productivity is not tied to your self-worth. Like people were so mad now having been in it in a year, they're like, I didn't get anything done. And I'm like, you survived a pandemic. That in and of itself is a beautiful miracle because not everybody did. You had to adjust to being alone, but oh, first of all, again, rise and grind culture. <laughs> like, 
if you don't start a business, if you don't start an LLC. Yeah, it was you know very. And then the gurus were taking advantage of that and like trying to sell you something like start this course with me or whatever mm-hmm. so you can monetize whatever. And it's like, that's another thing, right? Talking about loneliness. How isolated do you feel? I for I don't use human nature as an argument for a lot of things because I just think it's it's dangerous and a lot of people use human nature to justify like our our crappy behavior as human beings. They'll be like, that's just human nature. Like somebody tried to tell me racism was human nature because of tribalism, and I was like, what? babes, you don't know history, but it's fine. That's neither here nor there. But one thing I will say is human nature. I really do think like it is human nature to feel for other human beings and be like mm-hmm. that human being is suffering. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not normal. You know what I'm saying? Like we feel empathy. And so imagine being in a pandemic and seeing your government neglect people at every turn. Right. You feel ideologically lonely. Cause you're just like, I thought, you know, we do wild stuff in this society, but I at least thought when lives were on the line, we would tighten up, we would come we get together. It together. You know what I'm saying? Niggas yeah. politicizing wearing a mask. Are you okay? Is everything okay at <laughs> home? Right. Niggas politicizing making sure that people can pay their bills so they won't send out survival checks with the money that I put into the system because you take my taxes. So what are you fussing about giving it to me back? You know what I'm saying? Niggas really politicizing things that should just be basic. The community is suffering. How do we tighten up as a community and pull it together? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to make it I don't mean to oversimplify things, right? Because there's there are whole structures behind how basic things get politicized. But mm-hmm. it's just like, that is also lonely. Because it's just like, I believe community is not just people who like share a space, but people who share like a common goal or like want to work towards yeah. something. And it's like, I'm not even, I can't even say I'm in community with other human beings because I put on my mask, I stay my ass in the house so that I'm not contributing to the spread, the proliferation of the virus, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm trying to do what I can to make sure houseless people have masks or whatever. I'm trying to do mutual aid, trying to make sure niggas have food, you know what I'm saying? Being more generous with the little bit of money that I that I do have yeah. than yeah. I was before the pandemic because niggas is incarcerated, they eat bail money. Uh, a lot of social structures have fallen through. More people are in a much more precarious position, more likely to be out on the street than before, whatever, whatever. And it's like, I can't even rely on the powers that be, my government that I elected and other human beings to pull it together. That makes me feel lonely. Like you talk about like depression and you were talking about chemical and violence. I think there are so many things, so many mental illnesses that are also caused just by like structures that neglect you and fail you. And you're just like, wow, I'm really out here in these streets um, well, I think like lonesome, like dolo, like that's not normal. That's not. But I normal. think that that's so true because, like, think about, and I'm not trying to say that this is the cause of all mental illnesses, but even just like anxiety, when you feel that all of these other structures in your life are not working and it's on you or it's your fault, that is overwhelming. That produces anxiety, and whether that's you or it's transient, like you know what I mean. But I also think at the same time, like. When we think about depression, that feeling of loneliness, isolation, all of these things, nobody doing anything to help us. Like you said, the powers that be when they neglect you, when they don't 
come to your aid, especially in a time like a pandemic, not only is that extremely disheartening, but that leads to, like you said, those feelings of loneliness, those feelings of depression, anxiety. Well, you know, I'm losing my house because I didn't do what was right. I didn't do that. And it's like, no, this is happening because structurally there are so many systems that are currently failing you, but we haven't moved past the narrative that we tell ourselves of, well, it's on me. It's my internal failing. It's my fault. It's whatever, whatever that we tell ourselves to believe this. And it's so horrible. So like I wanted to narrow it down, but also mind you, there's um, only nine minutes left of the Zoom call. But how can we take that lens and uh, help people view it uh, regarding uh, romantic partnership and loneliness in that area, mm-hmm. feeling unlovable? Because I think it is oh, so trendy for, for like this whole like, I don't know if people have been on the internet recently but there's this whole division between men and women and there are people who are really making profit of like, you know, specifically black women being lonely because of them not meeting certain like standards or expectations of femininity. And I think like that whole conversation discussion has been feeding into uh, women feeling unlovable girls like kevin samuels of the world is out here making is a terrorist yeah he is an emotional terrorist but he is look at how popular people are eating him up like do you know what i mean like people are ingesting that and like yeah that's true and i'm like you are feeding a very harmful narrative to these men out here (laughs) like no because you are dangerous (laughs) what's actually crazy though right i mean we're black so we're more tuned into the kevin samuels of the world but just in general the whole dating self-help industry right is a scam because like for, i mean most it's mostly sold to women and it's like when i think about who can form healthy relationships we all have our own struggles but it's not it's not the women and non-binary people of this world who are struggling with that so let's just fit that out there <laughs> um but also let me start before somebody you know what i'm saying tries to throw me they're like oh women are always no but okay in terms of romantic relationships and ida you brought up something very particular right like feeding into narratives of femininity and there's this another trend that has popped up that i think is very dangerous for black women to subscribe to like the being hyper feminine movement or like black femininity and stuff like that i just laid nails down <laughs> first of all is it feasible on a financial level? Yeah, it's expensive. I don't have money to buy $200 weaves every fucking three weeks to look good. But not even money, time. It takes time. Time that not a lot of Black women have. Also, I work with kids, so I'll be damned if I just spend money on bundles and then they're infested with lice <laughs> a month later. I'll be damned. I refuse. But what I will say is like, in terms of a solution, and it's hard because you can't, get radicalized politically on your own but like we really have to help other people and i'm not saying us as like the vanguard but those of us who are more attuned to the idea that sometimes femininity is really a trap mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying i'm not saying if you're a feminine person you should shirk that if that's naturally you sure but mm-hmm. if you're trying to buy into like the aesthetics of femininity and performing that for the benefit of having a romantic partnership for security as, like, basically yeah, yeah as your reward for that and that's not naturally you. Like, I want us to divest from that because one, Black women, cishet Black women, 
will still never be able to buy into femininity. We are not the blueprint for that. That is based off of a white women, like that is based off a white woman's idea of femininity. So you will, you will harm yourself trying to keep up with the Joneses. You will really harm yourself trying to do all of that. Even Gorilla Glue Girl, we were all laughing at her. Why? And I'm maybe I'm making it too woke or political. But it is like she is trying to like slick her hair down to like be a like more pleasing. (laughs) Yeah, that. Unfortunately, with Gorilla Glue, but it's like, like too too. To what extent are we willing to go? Exactly. The what extent? Because my jaw don't lay because it's four C and that's okay. Like I'm not tripping off of that. You know what I'm saying? But it's hard to do that because I recognize there are rewards for being desirable now desirability and femininity it's still a trap but there are rewards for that well there are financial rewards for that that we're also trying to obtain because we just talked about it the structures that are failing us are not providing us with the resources we need to survive so if we can buy into this idea of femininity if we can buy into this if i have the bundles and then i have the brand deals and if i have the brand deals then i can put food on the table do you see what i'm saying so it's like it's it's very very consumer it's all very consumerist which is also killing me not all of us have the ends to be well, black people have the uh, uh i'm sure it's us and indigenous americans who have the least amount of like just net like wealth that we've accrued over time mm-hmm. right and we have to and people were talking about black women spend so much on uh, the beauty industry or whatever and they use that as some sort of they weaponize that statistic to be like oh look how shallow y'all are or look how like not business minded y'all are because look where y'all put your your money instead of like llc's and things that generate you passive income but people have told women time and time again that our greatest asset is beauty. So why wouldn't we put all of our money there? But we know, right? And that's not me demonizing. That's me saying, I'm not going to demonize the people who put their money there. But I will say, sis, I'm offering you a, 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 you know, a way out of that mm-hmm. rabbit hole because it's not sustainable. It's really not sustainable for me to say, like, I'm getting on my worth from, like, buying into Black femininity. We just know that it's not working for us. Castor Semenya told us that. This is a cis woman assigned female at birth. But people were still questioning her gender because she doesn't fit into what white femininity looks like. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, that seems like a lot. But all of that is to say, like, in terms of romantic relationships, I think, you know, a lot of people have picked up on our loneliness and have weaponized that and tried to turn it into an industry. And it's just like, if we can divest from the idea that romantic relationships, one, are where a lot of our worth lies, right mm-hmm. we can find other types of relationship structures shout out to queer people for for giving us the blueprint i know that's not what y'all was trying to do y'all was just trying no to but it truth. is no mm-hmm. but it is true a hundred percent gave niggas the blueprint for how to move because platonic love is something that we should be investing in more so that people don't feel so much like what do i gotta do what do i gotta put on what fake what funk do i gotta fake to give me a nigga you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and I'm saying this as a woman I'm sure men have their own issues with romance that they need to figure out but I don't know anything about that so I'm not even gonna try to talk about insecure about their height about being bald about whatever I I could think of a few things but I also am like you're fine but you know what this crazy thing queer people and also women have and cishet women are giving them the blueprint for how to divest from that you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying just like this whole alpha male thing niggas think that's what we want and it's really not not. (laughs) i don't know like and i think that it's so it's not funny but it's like it and like i said it's harmful when you're taking advice from men themselves who have unhealed trauma like especially in the black community like and i saw this it was like a a promo for some new show that's coming up like run the world or something that's this all black cast and it looks really great but this woman was saying she was like you know 
the hardest thing about being in a black relationship is the fact that we're both bringing our unresolved trauma to it and like how do we navigate that and i'm like a lot of men are taking advice from men who themselves have not yet healed (laughs) on a structural level do we all have access to therapy exactly and what therapist do i trust because i'll be damned if i try to bring this to you know a white therapist who like she just don't understand what I'm talking about so then it's just like bro I don't even feel the thing about therapy right you have to do the work you have to be honest you have to tell the truth in the session do I feel honest telling the truth to you you know what I'm saying like I'm telling you my business for you to help me and it's like you just started saying black lives matter two years ago ah! <laughs> like I'll be damned if I bring you my business but it's just mm-hmm. like in terms of romance that's why you need to find a black therapist but even then want, that's yeah. not like I feel but like yes. it's hard right it's it is hard yeah that's not graduating easy. college to become the therapist you know what I'm saying and then black people are struggling because we don't have our like you know a lot of adults can especially white adults can lean on their family's money right a lot of us it's like once we get stable middle-class jobs our family that's our money yeah so it's like our money and it's like we not getting help from our parents our parents are getting help from us so it's just like is therapy even the bag that you want like being a therapist does that help you secure the bag that helps you take care of you and your poster in your posterity right and your ancestors it's hard right it's really hard so it's just like all of that is to say like and this is not me just bringing up problem after problem to say it's impossible like these things are possible but it's just like how do we remove some of the barriers to access? Because it's like therapy would be super helpful. It would be super helpful for a lot of people to figure this stuff out also. And on that note, we are going to end this week's episode. If you want to tune in next week for part two, be sure to check us out. We will be posting the second half of our conversation with Shira at the Sad Girl Sunday podcast platform. Thank you so much and have a great night.